Well, thank you so much for joining us. We're continuing in our series through the book of Exodus. And today's message, uh, it's one of the weirdest titles I've ever given uh, a sermon. It's called, uh, You Have Made Us Stink. And I'm not talking about body odor. Uh, It actually comes directly, directly from our passage today. Uh, But in today's message, we're going to talk about failure. And we're going to talk about regret. And so... um, Sorry, today is not the God loves you and has a marvelous plan for your life message, but I believe that it's a message we all need to hear, all need to consider. So friends, when was the last time you felt that God had failed you? I know that we often sing about God's faithfulness and his goodness. I know at our, at our, in our small groups and, and in our discussions here at church, uh, we talk and speak as if God has never let us down, that he's always been there for us. But if we are honest, if we're willing to be vulnerable, uh, we've all had moments when we felt that God failed us. We're just not comfortable talking about it, at least not here at church. Uh, but maybe you're here today and, and you're feeling that. You're going through that right now the feeling and frustration, uh, a feeling of frustration towards God, wondering, God, why have you let me down? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you failed me? When was the last time you struggled with unanswered prayers, a serious spiritual disappointment? When you thought you were stepping out in faith, when you thought you were trying to obey God's will, But then all you faced was frustration, failure, and disappointment, one after another. Maybe you experienced it here in the church or in ministry. Maybe you were part of a church that you loved and and you're really committed towards and sacrificial in. But that church had to close its doors and shut down. And maybe that was a deep sense of loss, grief, and failure. Maybe you led a small group that just didn't make it past six months. You're the leader and you're, you're trying to coordinate activities and, and you're, you're emailing, texting, uh, even trying to call, but, but people stop responding. You know, your college students, they start ghosting you. That's the new phrase, they ignore it, you know. And, and you feel like a failure. You had, you had visions of really discipling this group, of really shepherding them, and you didn't even make it past six months, especially outside of the church. Many of us have experienced failure in education, in relationships, in our professions. How did you process that? Where was God in the midst of those struggles and frustrations? Well, in our passage today, we're going to see Moses experience a failure Mm -hmm. of his own. We're going to see Israel struggle with disappointment and frustration. And the question I want to ask today is, in the midst of those failures, where do we go? Where do you go when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the darkness, when you're grasping for hope? To whom or to what do you look to? If you have your Bibles, would you please turn to our passage, Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. And actually, if, if you're there, um, I actually want to start with the last three verses of chapter 4. So technically, I'm going to start with Exodus chapter 4, verses 28, or 29, I think, 29. Um, and there's an important contrast between the first verses we're going to read and the last verses we're going to read. But trusting that you're there, may God bless the reading of his holy word. 
Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and to the signs in sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, you shall no longer give the people straw to make their bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will, give you, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks." The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them, as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the, uh, in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Amen. The word of the Lord. Did you catch that? Sorry, I know that was a long passage. Uh, I enjoyed reading it. I hope you guys did as well. Honestly, guys, that's the favorite part of the sermon. I, I love just reading the scriptures with you and, and, and for you. Um, but I hope you caught that. At the end of chapter 4, Moses and Aaron, they are accepted by Israel. By the end of chapter 5, they are rejected by Israel. In one moment, God's people are excited about God's promise for deliverance. They are worshiping him. They are bowing before him. And in the next moment, they are angry. In the next moment, they don't fear God. They fear Pharaoh. In the next moment, they have lost all hope. What happened? How did things turn so quickly? There are three points for today's sermon, and they are this. The rejection of God, the testing of faith, 
and the stench of failure. The rejection of God, the testing of faith, and the stench of failure. Now, there are some commentators who argue that Moses failed here. Moses was rejected by Pharaoh because he didn't obey God's commands carefully. So some commentators say it's Moses' fault. It's Moses' fault why uh, the Israelites had to make bricks without straw. Okay? And uh, some of the arguments, for example, are this. In, Moses, in Exodus 3.18, God commanded Moses to go before Pharaoh with the elders. Okay? He said, take the elders with you and stand before Pharaoh. But in our passage, who's there? It's just Moses and Aaron, right? And so uh, they'll say Moses went with the wrong delegation. He didn't obey God's word right, to a T. Another example of maybe Moses' folly is that uh, God didn't tell Moses to threaten Pharaoh with pestilence or the sword, okay? But Moses does, right? He says, Pharaoh, if you don't obey, right, God's going to strike us with pestilence and the sword. God told that to Moses, but he didn't instruct that to be spoken to Pharaoh, suggesting that Moses went off script, right? Moses was ad-libbing a little bit in the presence of Pharaoh. Now, I think there's some merit to those observations, but I don't fully agree that we should blame Moses for the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, that we should blame Moses for uh, this whole situation with the bricks without straw. In fact, uh, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews 11, he, he promotes, he commends Moses for having the courage to stand before the king of Israel, right? and speak the word of God, to stand before, sorry, the king of Egypt, the king of Egypt, to stand before Pharaoh in courage, uh, saying, let my people go. And so if the scriptures commend Moses, I think we should as well. What we actually see is that Moses was rejected for two reasons, okay? Not because he messed up, but he was rejected first because it was the sovereign will of God, God told Moses in Exodus 3, 19, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand, okay? So why did Pharaoh reject Moses? Because it was God's will. It was all God's plan that Pharaoh's heart would be hardened and that he would come down in a heavy way against God's people. The second reason why Moses was rejected was because Pharaoh rejected God. Pharaoh rejected God, so he rejected the messenger. Look how Pharaoh responds to Moses' request to let God's people go so that they can worship in the wilderness. Verse 2, what does Pharaoh say? Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Friends, this is the central question of the book of Exodus. Who is the Lord? Who is Yahweh? And how you answer this question makes an eternal difference, brothers and sisters. Who is God? Who is God to you? Who do you know him as? Well, we know from the burning bush how God has revealed himself to Moses. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the great I am. He is the father of Israel who has heard the cries of his children. But Pharaoh doesn't know that God. And moreover, Pharaoh literally says, and I don't care. I don't know your God, Moses, and I don't care. And because of that, I will not obey. I will not let your people go. Why would I care about what you have to say, Moses? You're a criminal. If anything, I should probably have you arrested for what you did 40 years ago. 
Because he doesn't know God, he won't let Israel go. And church, do you see the connection between disobedience and ignorance? There's an important connection there between disobedience and ignorance. Just as you can't love what you don't know, you won't obey someone you won't acknowledge, okay? If you don't acknowledge the person, why would you care about their commands, about their wishes, about their desires? Now, I don't want to shame anyone here. I'm just giving a lighthearted anecdote, but um, I observe, you know, as our worship is going on, I really appreciate our hospitality team, right? They work. Can we just give a big round of applause right now? They serve us. So faithfully, every Sunday, they're giving out bulletins, right? Uh, and, and they greet us at the information tent. And, and as you guys can see, um, our room is packed, right? That's why we're moving down to the gym in August, right? Our room is packed, and so we're trying to maximize our seating. And so they try to lead and seat everybody. But every once in a while, I see people, you know, they're like, hi, welcome to, and people just ignore And they're trying to guide people to the seat so that we can make a seat for everyone. And, and literally, they'll be like, would you sit in this row? And certain people are just like, I'm going to sit where I want to sit, right? There's complete disobedience, but it's rooted in uh, non-acknowledgement of the person, right? Uh, oftentimes, if somebody you know is on the hospitality team, maybe they're in your community group, right? Maybe they're a friend, a family member, something like that, then you're obviously going to follow, right? You're not going to diss them, right? And you're not going to, but they're a stranger, and maybe in an Asian culture, they're younger than you. You're like, dude. This is an 18-year-old trying to tell me where to sit? Please, right? Uh, I, just, I just, yeah. But, but it's, uh, it's that, that play going on. We're like, who are you and why should I obey? That's what, that's what Pharaoh is saying to Moses. Who are you and why should I care? Why would I obey? And now the gauntlet has been thrown. Do you see it? Once again, it's Pharaoh versus God. Who has true power? Who has authority? Who will have the final word? Who will the people serve? Who will the people fear? Brothers and sisters, could it be that we all have a little bit of Pharaoh in us, not with just seating and hospitality ministry, right? But that we have a dangerous combination of disobedience and ignorance. We all may know God's commands, right? They seem very clear. We might be familiar with the Ten Commandments and all of the the, the laws and regulations of the Bible. But because we don't know God, because you don't know God personally, you don't obey him. You don't regard him. We know what God says about money, and yet we make an idol of it. We know that Jesus calls us to love our neighbors and care for the poor, and yet we justify our indifference towards them over and over again. God warns us to flee from sexual immorality, and yet we persist. We indulge ourselves with premarital sex, lust, pornography. Why? Is it because you don't know the command? Is it because you don't know the law? You don't know the words? No. It's because you don't know God. You don't know the law giver. You don't know who he is. You've never encountered him as holy and righteous. You've never known him as gracious and merciful, eternal and mighty, sovereign and intimate. Friends, when you and I know the true and living God, when we encounter such a God, he changes everything. Do you know God the Father? Do you know God the Son? Do you know God the Holy Spirit? Because if you do, 
And that word has authority. That word is a light unto your path, right? That word, his word means something. Let's move to our second point, the testing of faith. Pharaoh is angered because Moses doesn't just ask for freedom. He also threatened Egypt with plagues, okay? That's very important. He's like, what, you are threatening my kingdom with pestilence and the sword? And out of his anger, Pharaoh decided to burden the Hebrew slaves even more by requiring them to make bricks without providing straw. I'm not going to get into the whole like, science of brick making and the role that straw has to play. I know there are certain pastors who do that, and they spend like 10 minutes explaining why this was such a hard thing and like so important. Uh, I'm just going to simply say um, the point is that Pharaoh made their work harder. Okay. He added to their work by saying, you know what, get your own straw. We're not going to provide that for you. I know that's an essential ingredient for your brick making, but you know what? You guys want to go into the, valley, uh, into the wilderness and have your own little Coachella with Jesus, right? No, right? If you have time to worship, you have time to go get your own straw, right? And so he increased their burden. Have you ever had a job where your boss just keeps adding to your job description, but the pay stays the same, Right? adds to your job description, adds to your task, adds to your responsibility, but you have to do that within the same amount of time, right? And you have to keep your quotas up, keep your numbers up, keep your productivity up in all, those, all of the previous tasks, right? I'm sure you guys have experienced that, and if you have, right, they are not the boss of the year. You're not going to give them that mug that says best boss ever, right? They are burdensome, right? They are burdensome, and those, uh, that's what Pharaoh was doing, increasing their burden, Okay, increasing their burden while demanding the same quota, the same productivity. They had to go find their own straw, and when Israel failed to meet its quota, and they were doomed to fail, their leaders were beaten. Okay? So in Egypt, there's a top-down structure. There's obviously Pharaoh at the top. Okay? Uh, the Hebrews were the slaves, right? And so Pharaoh set taskmasters, right? Consider those kind of just uh, Egyptian kind of governors over different groups of the slaves, okay? So there were Egyptian taskmasters, but amongst the Hebrews, they had their own leaders, their own representatives, and they were called the foremen. So the foremen in our passage, they are the Jewish leaders and representatives for their people, and they report directly to the taskmasters who are Egypt. You see that structure? So that's what's going on here. That's how uh, Israel and Egypt was organized, or Israel was organized under Egypt, well, when the quotas weren't made, when the bricks were inadequate, the taskmasters beat the Israelite leaders, the Israelite foremen. They were beaten. They were mocked as lazy by the Egyptians. And in verse 9, we have one of the main verses in our passage. Main verses in our passage. Uh, if we can throw that up on the screen. Pharaoh declares this. Let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words, lying words. What is Pharaoh saying here? Who's he talking about? He's calling Moses a liar. And since Moses is God's messenger, he's ultimately calling God a liar. That's what Pharaoh says in verse nine, just absolutely in, in, in the face of Moses, before all of Egypt, don't regard these lying words. Moses is a liar. Whoever the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is, Yahweh, this guy is a liar. This God is a liar. Once again, it's Pharaoh versus God. 
Who's the liar? Whose word is true? Who has authority and power? Brothers and sisters, each Sunday, we end each worship with lyrics from the Apostles' Creed, right? I hope you guys have stayed. I know sometimes parents have to go get their kids because the sermon runs long. Sorry about that. Um, But we sing together the things that we believe, right? I believe in God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, right? And we, we, we declare these truths together of the Christian faith. Here's what happens, though. Every Monday when you and I go back to our jobs, our campuses, our communities, neighborhoods, whatever it might be, our culture challenges those truths. They tell us to pay no regard to those lying words. The God of the Bible, your God is a liar. Your God makes no difference. Why should we listen to you? That's what a secular culture is saying to us. You think God is a loving father? You think God is almighty? Why is there so much brokenness, so much devastation in the world? Why is my life such a mess? And you have the audacity to say, God loves you. God's your father in heaven. He's almighty and he's omnipotent, right? Over and over again, we believe, right? We believe in in life eternal. We believe in the kingdom come. And what we are telling ourselves is we want to be people who are citizens of God's kingdom. We want to live for that eternal purpose and joy. But we go into Monday and, and we're back in that rat race. And we are conflicted. Do I live for my job? Do I live for my education? Do I live chasing money? Do I live chasing acclaim? Do I live chasing X, Y, and Z? And that faith is tested. That faith is tested. What we believe, what we claim to believe on Sunday, and how we live with the rest of our lives and the rest of our week, there's a friction there. There's a challenge there. And I just want to let you guys know, that's what our world says. That's what our culture is saying. Your God is a liar. Your God is a liar. How do you respond? How will you respond to that? I love Paul's response in Romans chapter 3. And, and, and I think sometimes we do need to draw a line. We do need to hold our ground. We need Christian courage. And Paul says, may God be true and every man a liar. May God be true and every man a liar. As Moses led Israel to stand up to Pharaoh, their faith was tested. They experienced persecution. They experienced injustice, and they experienced scorn. But brothers and sisters, this tells us an important lesson. There's no such thing as an untested faith. For all of us, our faith must be tested. Our faith will be tested. As long as we live in this world, as long as we experience a secular culture, our faith will be tested. And yet there is a divine purpose behind every one of our tests, okay? All that Moses was experiencing, all that Israel was experiencing, it was under the sovereign hand of God. And Peter, the apostle, he he explains this for us. He gives us insight to understand the testing of our faith, the trials that we experience, and the greater purpose of God. This is what Peter says in 1 Peter 6 to 7. In this you rejoice. 
Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you see that? You see, a lot of times we struggle to know, am I truly a believer? Do I really have saving faith? Do you know what Peter says? How do you know? How do you know you have true trust in Christ and the gospel, that you truly believe in God? Peter says, you will know the genuineness of your faith by how you endure suffering, by how you endure through trials and grief. And the people who are crushed by trials, the people who experience hardship and failure, those who walk away, they were never of God's covenant family. Peter says, we will be refined by fire, right? And we will know, we will know whether our faith is genuine by how we persevere. And that will result, result in the praise and glory and honor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Church, don't be surprised by trials. Don't be surprised by testing. It's God's gracious will for you to refine you, to make you more like Christ, to build up, right? To build up your Christ-likeness, okay? It is a grace gift to you to experience struggle and toil, okay? The stench of failure, third point today. Well, Israel thought that God had failed them, okay? Israel experienced the hardship. They experienced the persecution. They experienced the injustice. And their conclusion was very much like a lot of our conclusions today. When things start going bad, what do you think? You think, God's gone. God doesn't care. God doesn't exist. God is not with me, right? That's what Israel thought. That was their conclusion from their suffering. Moses had failed them. God had failed them. So what did their foreman do after they were beat? After they were mocked, their foremen went directly to Pharaoh. They bypassed Moses and Aaron. They said, you know what? You're not going to be our mediator. You're not going to be our leader anymore. We're going to go straight to Pharaoh. They go to Pharaoh, and they cried out, why do you treat your servants like this? Just think about that. Israel was no longer crying out to God. They were crying out to Pharaoh. This whole thing of Exodus began because in Exodus 3, God said, I have heard the cries of my people. Israel was in slavery for 400 years, and they cried out day and night for freedom, for liberation, for redemption. God said, I heard, I've heard my cries, their cries. I have seen their affliction, and I will come to deliver them. But Israel had stopped crying out to God. They cried out to Pharaoh. This one season of persecution, this one experience of hardship and injustice, and they took their eyes off of Yahweh, and they placed their hopes in Pharaoh. Pharaoh, be merciful towards us. Pharaoh, be gracious towards us. Pharaoh, help us. Why have you treated your servants like this? What an affront to God. God said, Israel, I'm going to save you because you are my firstborn. I'm going to save you because you are my children. You are my servants, citizens in my kingdom. But now here the Hebrews are saying, 
Pharaoh, we are your servants. We are your servants in your kingdom. Help us. Church, where do you turn to? Or who do you turn to in the midst of your hardships and failures? Just think about that. Where do you go when things are tough? When things are difficult? When things are scary? Who do you turn to in those moments? And if you can identify that, that's your God. That's your God. That's your idol. Okay? And for a lot of us, it's money. When things are difficult and things are scary, money. Money will fix our problems. Money will help me get a good night's sleep. Money will make me feel safe and secure. For others, it's relationships. It's family. Right? And it's, 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 you just find refuge in your spouse. When things are scary, my husband will just be my anchor. Right? Or my kids will keep me going. They'll keep me focused. They'll keep me hopeful and moving forward. Whoever it is you turn to in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your fears, in the midst of your failures, that is your God. There you will find an idol. Israel, turn to Pharaoh. Israel, turn to Pharaoh. The passage closes with Israel cursing Moses. They say, the foreman, they went up to Moses and they said, the Lord, look on you and judge. Because you have made us a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and, have a, and put a sword in their hand to kill us. Do you see that? We are, we are anxious. We are coming undone because we are scared of Pharaoh. You have made us a stench in the presence of Pharaoh, in the nose of Pharaoh, and, and that's your fault. You have ruined everything. We had a good thing going. We got to make bricks with straw, but now we have to make bricks without straw, and, and, and that has ruined our lives. That has ruined our days. That has turned our eyes off of Yahweh onto Pharaoh. You have made us a stink, and this actually cut Moses deeply. This actually hurt Moses deeply. In the next verses, he's going to go to God. And you know that kind of like, a lot of times anger and blame, it just kind of is a sequence, right? It's like a domino effect. So the, so the foremen are angry at Moses. Moses gets angry with God. And he accuses God of evil. He accuses God of failing. He says, God, you said you were going to deliver us. I see no deliverance. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? We're going to see that in the next week's sermon. But I just want to ask this. Did God fail his people? Did he? I mean, let's think objectively. Did God fail his people? And the answer is no. The answer is no. We have to take in all of God's words. He didn't just promise to deliver them. He didn't just promise to liberate them and free them from slavery. He said some very other important things. He also said that he would harden Pharaoh's heart in chapter 4. He told them, Pharaoh is not going to let you go in chapter 3. And the way that you are going to be delivered is not by Pharaoh's mercy, but by my might. He is going to see me do mighty works. By my mighty hand, I will free you. I will break the will of Pharaoh. And that is what God told his people, but his people weren't listening. Brothers and sisters, we must consider the whole counsel of God. 
Don't just consider the things that God says, oh, I'm going to love you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to never leave nor forsake you. Those are huge promises. But you know what? Other promises are true for us as well. In this world, you will face hardship. Jesus says, no servant is greater than his master. They persecuted me. They will persecute you also. That's, that's a truth for us to consider, brothers and sisters. We will be tested. The genuineness of our faith will be tested by trial and grief and the refiner's fire. Brothers and sisters, do you hear the whole counsel of God? Do you live according to all of God's word? And when you do, then we can say, truly, God's word never fails. You see, if you, if you divide it, if you truncate God's word by only the things that you like, only the promises that you want to hold to, and you just focus on those things, there will be plenty of times when you misapply God's word and think, God, you failed me. You didn't give me what you said. What happened to yes and amen? I didn't get that job, right? We didn't get that house. My family member wasn't cured, right? I didn't get into that graduate program. What happened to yes and amen, right? We must live by the whole counsel of God. And when you do, truly God's word never fails. Brothers and sisters, let's build our life on God's word and God's promises. Do not be like Israel who took their eyes off of Yahweh and they placed their hope in an evil Pharaoh. Do not be like Israel who was fickle one moment bowing down and worshiping before God and then the next moment cursing God and his messenger. Let's keep our eyes and our hearts and our hopes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word for us today. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that today's word would be a sober reminder that there is a purpose for all of our grief. There is a purpose for all of our failures and all of our suffering. And that purpose is to test and refine our faith. That purpose is to make us a people more dependent on you, less dependent on ourselves, less dependent on the things of this world. God, help us, Lord, to loosen our grip on the idols of this world. Help us to place our faith, our trust, our full dependence on you and you alone, God. May your word May your word not just be heard today. May it not just be understood in our minds today. God, would your word grip our hearts? Would we hear you, Lord, as our true and living God? Would we hear you as our Father in heaven, speaking words of life and grace into us? Help us, Lord, to know you to love you and to obey you. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray.